Hi, I'm Rihanna, and welcome to Healing is Hot, the podcast. So, I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm excited. Awesome. I've got like two different recording things going just in case one fails, so we should be all set. Uh, All right, so let's get into it. Welcome to Healing is Hot, and do you want to give a little background on you, you know, what you do, and really what a menstrual cycle coach is? Yeah, for sure. And so um, I'm Olivia. Um, I'm a certified holistic nutrition consultant and cycle coach, and I specialize in women's menstrual and hormone health. But the term cycle coach itself refers to anyone that's been trained in working with the menstrual cycle. And while there are like several different places I'm sure you can train, I specifically trained through cycle coach school. And that's under the brilliant Claire Baker Um, and cycle coach school specifically focuses on the modality of menstrual cycle awareness, which is the practice of bringing awareness to one's menstrual cycle, exploring different frameworks to help understand and connect with the different energies throughout each phase of the cycle. Um, And it really calls us into ourselves and calls us to own our observations about ourselves and the cyclical and our cyclical nature. What I found is that it really helps to cultivate a deeper connection and relationship to our our authentic selves and kind of reestablishes the balance with the feminine energy that I think has been seemingly abandoned in our modern society. Um, And that's just my personal opinion. But really the thing I love about cycle coach school is that so many different healers have come together to really see the value of integrating menstrual cycle awareness into their work. So with that, there's a beautiful variety of different cycle coaches and and their different offerings. But with my background and training specifically, I combine my education in nutrition and hormone health with the training in menstrual cycle awareness to really provide a holistic healing experience that's rooted in nourishing the mind, body, and spirit. Um, I really see menstrual cycle awareness as kind of the yin to the yang of menstrual and hormone health, if that makes sense. So it's kind of the essence of being with your menstruality and integrating these frameworks that I was just referencing to really understand a new way to connect and appreciate our cyclic rhythms, being really slow and intentional, reflecting on the wisdom and any lessons that arise and unfold, but also it just provides the more feminine energy to provide that ideal balance of more of the yang of the science behind behind hormone healing. So a lot of the science being, you know, we're taking action, the doing, focusing on different lifestyle and um, nutrition changes to support menstrual health, which is super important. But I think the whole array is kind of closes the whole picture, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And this is something I definitely don't know enough about, but (laughs) I don't want to say it's plagued my family, like the women in my family for generations, but every woman in my family struggles with something different and Mm -hmm. um, some different type of like ovarian issue or um, different, different issues. And they always end up having to get like hysterectomies and whatnot. And I always think like, what if we just like had a better way? What if we learned more about ourselves early on and we had more of an education out there, which is where I think this is so amazing. And we definitely need it more in society, you know, because we don't have, we don't have enough tools as women to really understand um, what's going on with our bodies. Like, I don't feel like our health classes in high schools, especially even give us the full spectrum of like what we need to know. 
Right. Yeah. So that's where, you know, I wish I knew more earlier on. I'm just grateful I'm in this place where I've had this training now and it like lights up my soul. So I want to tell the whole world about it, that there are other ways to go about this work and to have a better experience in our bodies. Like it's, it's normal. And we've been seen seem to think it's a hindrance and it's the farthest from, we just need to learn how to appreciate it and work with it instead of against it. Absolutely. I feel like my life would go a lot better and I'd probably be in a better state of flow um, just in general if I could work with my own cycle. So I 100% agree with that. So given speaking of cycles and given all the phases, what are I don't even know what are the menstrual phases and you know what does that mean for us? You mentioned like diet, exercise and regulation wise, you know, how do we get to that point and in what phases are important for what? Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> most of us know our menstrual phase, which is simply our bleeding and our period, you know, I think we're aware of that because it's the most in our face. You can't really (laughs) ignore that experience. Um, But technically speaking, there are two halves to the menstrual cycle. We have the follicular phase and the luteal phase. Um, I see the follicular phase as a really encompassing three different phases um, this includes the menstrual phase, which would be our bleeding days, as well as the non-bleeding days leading up to ovulation and then ovulation itself. And then it, you know, the name comes from the focus of the development of an ovarian follicle in preparation for uh, ovulation. And then we have the luteal phase, which is the second half of our cycle. And it's simply the fourth phase. It's the luteal phase. So that starts the day after ovulation occurs and lasts until your next period or first full day of bleeding. And that name comes from the presence of the corpus luteum, which is this really cool temporary endocrine gland that is formed from the process of ovulation. And this temporary gland is what produces progesterone, which is the dominant hormone in this this phase of the cycle. Um, And without ovulation, we don't have progesterone, which is really problematic because You'll hear me refer to the yin and yang a lot because it makes sense in this field of hormones, but estrogen is more of the yang. It's that doing energy. It gives us a lot of good energy to really accomplish and get things done, but progesterone is the yin and it calms us down and um, really balances us out, which is just really important. So while there are two halves, I look at things energetically between the four phases because they really change. We have different hormonal fluctuations that change our energy and change, um, our experience. And so in the lens of menstrual cycle awareness, I find it really important to, you know, cut it down to the fore and focus, um, more granularly on each phase. But I find the easiest way to look at the four phases, and this will kind of tie in the diet and an exercise question as well is through this seasonal framework. And this framework was established by the Red School. Um, So it it really takes our outer seasons that we experience. I mean, I'm someone that grew up in a place that always had four seasons. So if you don't, you can still probably figure it out from um, watching movies and different experiences with the seasons, but applying the outer seasons and our experiences with those to each phase of our cycle and what we call the inner, um, the inner seasons. So first we have the menstrual phase and that, um, connects to our winter, our winter phase. And then we have spring, which is our follicular phase. 
and I call that our non-bleeding days of the follicular phase. And then summer and autumn, so summer would be our ovulatory phase and autumn being our luteal phase. And I just find that when we look through this lens, it makes a lot of sense because when we're bleeding, really our bodies are working really hard. We should be focusing on this time of hibernation, resting, preparing ourselves for the cycle ahead. And just like during winter, um, you know, we slow down in this phase. We don't have as much energy. The days are darker. They just really align really closely. And as well, like it's colder outside. So we want to eat more warm and nourishing foods. And then that's the same for our bleeding phase. Our bodies are working really hard. We're losing a lot of nutrients through menstruation. So we really want to focus on replenishing those nutrients that are being lost at the time. And then once bleeding ends, we enter the non-bleeding days of the follicular phase, which is our inner spring. This tends to be a pretty fun phase for people most of the time as estrogen starts to rise and we see this is the dominant hormone during this time, which gives us more energy to start to bloom out of our period cave um, that we've been hibernating in. And surprisingly, um, our metabolism is actually lower during this time, so we can get away with lighter foods. So just light, fresh foods. We don't need to be eating as much. Um, yeah, it's just pretty easy in that sense. And then our ovulatory phase, while it's the shortest phase, it packs the biggest hormonal punch. Technically speaking, ovulation occurs within like typically a 24 hour event, um, but it's pretty hard to pinpoint down to that point unless we have an ultrasound to catch it, which is pretty unlikely for most people. So we kind of treat it as this three to five day phase. And this is what we consider our inner summer. So at this point, our hormones are peaking or should be peaking at their highest point. And the peak of hormones is what triggers the event of ovulation. And this high hormone phase, when all is well and balanced, and uh, it's, it can be super fun and energetic. You know, we might feel really sensual at this time. We're connected to others. We have that energy to play and, and give more energy to others in our lives. Um, but like the outer season, you know, our metabolism is still slower, but we can get away with most fresh and raw foods during this time. And I really want to preface, like, I'm not saying just go eat a bunch of salads. You still need to eat nutrient dense foods as well, but we can eat more of the raw light foods and get away with it. And then lastly, we have the luteal um, autumn phase. And this is the second half of the cycle. So the day after ovulation occurs in the first half, we might still feel relatively energetic, relatively high energy post ovulation, but halfway through we begin to drop in our hormones if implantation hasn't occurred. So if we haven't conceived, if we're not trying for a baby, um, and if you think of autumn, this makes a lot of sense. You know, we go transitioning from summer into autumn. At first, we're still good and excited. It's still fairly bright outside, still pretty warm. And then we start to slowly turn inwards as it gets colder and darker throughout the days. And we seem to, you know, wrap up and harvest anything we've been creating and, and doing in our lives or in our past cycle as we kind of prepare for our upcoming winter and, and menstrual phase again. But similar to winter, um, this phase, our metabolism is higher. 
It requires extra nutrients and it's really important. We listen to that and proactively nourish ourselves because our blood sugar can swing really easily during this phase. And those extreme blood sugar swings can cause different accompanying cravings that many of us experience in that, in that premenstrual phase. And when we, you know, it's okay to have some cravings once in a while and have some sweet things, but when we are constantly giving into that and acting uh, retroactively and um, it only makes PMS symptoms worse. So in terms of food, really having warm, nourishing nutrient dense foods during this time and, and making sure we're increasing our calories. Um, we typically burn about 300 more calories in this phase than, oh than the other phases. Yeah. So people are like, why am I so hungry? And it's like, <laughs> well, for a reason, your body's ramping up, you know, it's getting, it's getting ready to do this really important work. Um, but as far as exercise, uh, this one can be a little touchy for some people, you know, it's become more popular to cycle sync exercising with our periods and different phases as well as with everything else, which is great. Um, some people find it to be extremely beneficial. Uh, others think it's just silly and trendy, or they might see it as like a one size plan to apply to anyone, but um, I personally see some benefit in it. I find with our modern society being flooded with stress in almost every aspect of our lives, high intensity exercise is just another form of stress. And that's not to say you can't ever do it. You know, it's really important to use those high energy times to exert more energy because we have more to give. But if you're constantly taking part in high intensity exercise, um, it might be doing more damage than you realize stressing your body um, and increasing cortisol, which is our stress hormone, which can just make things harder on our bodies and harder to recuperate from. So again, if you look at the inner seasons and the energetics of each phase, it can be pretty simple to figure out how to sync your exercise with your cycle. So the winter and menstrual phase where we're focusing on more rest and hibernation Things like restorative movements, like walking, stretching, and yin yoga, um, those can be beneficial. And if you like strength training, that's totally fine too. You can still do that. Um, it's just more about slowing down and focusing on more mindful movement rather than overdoing it. And then again, as our energy and estrogen start to rise in spring, um, it's really a good time to start in using that increasing energy and and give more of it to your movement. And given that spring tends to be kind of a fun and playful phase and, and season for people, it can be a good time to explore new movement patterns um, and just play more. So things like bar, mobility, strength training, those are, those are recommended during this time. And then our highest energy phase, again, if all is well, if, if your fluctuating hormones and energies are working as they are um, intended to, you might find yourself with the most energy at this time. And some people even find that this high energy phase can be kind of anxiety inducing. So getting that extra energy out of your body can be really beneficial. So I like to focus on um, high intensity exercise, more explosive movements. And given that summer is the phase where we want to connect with other people more and, and have more fun connection and give more to others in our lives, things like spin classes or different group workouts, 
running in groups or high intensity inter interval training, that can be really fun for some people. And then lastly, the luteal phase, our inner autumn. Again, our hormones are still fairly high the first half of the cycle, um, but it's really important during this phase to make sure we're really holding on to our energy reserves because your body is really ramping up, preparing for you know, the intense um, event of bleeding. So it's important to really slow down even if you still feel like you have a lot of energy. Um, more so in the second half of this phase, you can still do a little bit more at the first half, but you really wanna make sure you're not exerting too much energy to the point where you're gonna be feeling drained. So I always recommend starting slower with strength training. Um, and then as you get closer and closer to your bleed, you can transition even more so to slow focused energy, whether that's again, yoga or um, stretching, walking, whatever feels right for you. But I think the important thing when it comes to cycle syncing your exercise is really focusing on what your body is telling you and your current experience. Um, you might not be feeling super high energy in summer and that's totally okay. You know, it might be telling you something is going on there, but regardless, it's important to listen to that. And while these are the typical energetic fluctuations of the cycle, you know, with someone with balanced hormones, the unfortunate truth is that many menstruators have hormone imbalances and this might not be their experience. So if that's the case, this can be helpful to kind of downshift and start working on healing your hormones. But again, if you're not feeling high energy and like you have the capacity to do a spin class when you should be ovulating, please don't, <laughs> it's not going to help you. Um, rather just listen to what your body is telling you. Oh, I love this. I love this so much because as a wellness coach and spiritual healer, I'm big on living intuitively and it's very common where we think like, okay, we guilt our guilt trip ourselves to go to the gym. I'm guilty of this myself sometimes. Or, you know, we say, oh, we have to hit the gym every single day. We can't take a rest day. Or you feel bad about yourselves when you just cannot get out of bed to go to the gym, or you just feel too bloated to go. And sometimes it is okay to take that rest, to listen to your body intuitively. And yeah, I probably do unconsciously follow some kind of cycle like this where I'm like, no, I really think I'm going to do a yoga class instead, instead of doing the crazy weights, or maybe I'm just going to rest for today. And other times um, I like to use the phrase, especially with negative emotions, like if it's coming up, it needs to come out. So when you have that extra energy, sometimes like it is good to burn some of that anxious energy. So it's ready to come out if it's coming up. Yes, definitely. And I think just again, our modern society, we're all too often told, you know, you need to keep going. You need to have discipline and make sure you're achieving things and doing things. And it's like, you know, that's not realistic. We still need time to downshift and rest and just recoup. Like we can't go, go, go all the time. So I think that intuitiveness, the mindfulness, that awareness, is the biggest thing to really tap into. But yeah, I, I'm going off of like what you were just saying too about, you know, productivity and how we pressure ourselves so much in such a go-getter society that we don't realize rest is productive and each cycle, or not each cycle, each phase probably is productive and in its yeah. own way. Definitely. Yeah. I find that a lot. And 
some people, even when they get started with syncing with their cycle, you know, they want to really optimize and use spring and summer to get more done, but it's a, it's a fine line. You kind of run into the, the perfectionist tendencies of, oh, I need to achieve everything I can. And it's like, you can still have fun in those, in those phases. It's not just about giving and getting stuff done. So yeah, it's really beautiful though. That is cool. Awesome. So in this whole journey of everything you learned and everything you've been through, what would you say is like a great almost beginner guide or a great way to start exploring like kind of that divine feminine energy? You're talking a lot about like the yin, the yang. Mm, yes. So I'm I'm probably a little biased here, but I really think the best way to st- start tapping into that divine feminine energy is through menstrual cycle awareness. Um I don't know if I already mentioned this, but there are both masculine and feminine energies to the cycle and both are needed, but it's my personal belief and experience that we live in a world that deeply favors the masculine energies of doing and achieving. And we often forget about the beauty of simply being. And, you know, many of us menstruators were conditioned to believe that our periods and cycles are a hindrance. And so we've disconnected from this innate feminine wisdom that's inside of us. And menstrual cycle awareness is a great practice to reignite that connection with the feminine and restore that balance that's really needed. So I find the simplest way to really get started is to start with a daily cycle check-in. And this can look different for anyone, depending on what feels right for them. But things I like to check in with are how I'm feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and sexually, as I find these tend to shift and change throughout the phases of our cycle. And the longer you practice this daily check-in, the more you'll be able to uncover different trends and patterns about your your own personal cyclic experience. And that that might help you uncover areas you need to focus on in healing as well. Um, You know, you can check in mentally just with that, but I find if you write it out either in a journal or start to chart those things, um, it really makes those patterns and trends emerge more clearly. And then you suddenly have a much deeper connection with your cycle and can just honor your experience more and allow yourself to be there fully rather than just, it's another day I'm going through the motions of my day. I'm I might be bleeding. I don't know where I am in my cycle. Um, I think it helps keep us grounded. Absolutely. I remember being in middle school and just being like, oh my God, oh my God, please don't get it. Please don't get it. I don't know what's (laughs) happening. It's so irregular. I didn't know what was happening. I got ovarian cysts chronically at like 14 years old. And Mm -hmm. I, they immediately like put me on the pill and I was like having horrible reactions with it. I gained like 20 pounds, not even kidding. And it was so embarrassing. I had this tiny frame that was not designed to hold an extra crazy, you know, 20 pounds at the time. And my joints kind of took a little bit of a hit too. And I was getting injured a lot in, you know, the sports and dance and different things I did. And it was hard, you know, going through all that. And it's like, okay, if I would have had this so much earlier, I felt like I could have avoided a lot of that, that trauma, that issue, you know, um, everything with that, if I just would have understood better and done a little bit more divine feminine seeking myself. So it's good yeah. that we're out there. Well, and the thing that's so unfortunate is that 
you know, when we first get our period and we're really in those early reproductive years, it's really normal for us to have these irregularities, these, you know, different symptoms and experiences because your body is learning to make that connection with the ovulatory process and to regulate itself. And too often we see doctors thinking that's irregular, you know, of course it's a little bit uncomfortable and and whatnot, especially given what your personal experience was. And we just get given the pill at such a young age. And that doesn't allow our bodies to regulate and establish that much needed connection. So it's really unfortunate, but hopefully getting this, this information out there can help, you know, restore balance and healing to those that have experienced that. And maybe even to the younger audience that they can avoid that. Let's hope so. That is the goal for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they need to go through so much. And, and I feel like everyone's got a different story with their um, own menstrual cycle, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, this like harrowing tale as you get older about, oh, when I first got my period and struggling to regulate and working through puberty and hormone balances and imbalances. And my goodness, it's a headache in itself. So I I see why there is so much of a need for a cycle coach, because it's a lot to digest and comprehend. I mean, sometimes um, when we're going through like hormonal imbalances, at least I can feel in myself when I am. And I just don't feel like I can even think right. I can't think straight. I can't function right. And I wish I had like someone there to tell me like, oh, it's okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. This is what's going on. Just kind of explain to me like what's going on inside my own body. Cause hormone imbalances do feel like you're out of control in your own body. Definitely. And since we've had those experiences since we were young as well, like we've been conditioned to kind of not trust in our own bodies and our own experience. And that in itself can be even more so overwhelming. And without even realizing, I kind of see it as a form of trauma that a lot of us have collectively gone through. And like any trauma, it requires attention and healing and, and just intention to really work through that and, and change the path. So. Absolutely. So well said. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So next I am curious what are things that you would never do like now as a coach? I know there's always things that we look back like, oh, I wish I would have known this sooner. What is like something you wish like you could tell people sooner so that they don't do this, that you, things you've learned as a psycho coach now? Yes. Um, I have so many that come to mind. This is always such a fun <laughs> question. I will say never say never because we are not perfect, but <laughs> I do my very best. Oops. Um I just kicked some papers, but I do my very best to ignore or avoid doing some of these things. So the first one that comes to mind, I would never have coffee or caffeine before breakfast. Um, Primarily, I know it's the worst. It's the most common I see too. (laughs) I'm so Uh, guilty of that. (laughs) Yeah, especially a a protein heavy breakfast. again, speaking to the yin and yang. So cortisol being our stress hormone, and then the yin is melatonin. And these two hormones fluctuate throughout the day. So, you know, melatonin is high at night and it's what helps us go into a relaxful sleep state, but then cortisol spikes in the morning to wake us up. And typically within an hour or two of waking up, cortisol hits its peak. And what a lot of people do, cortisol being the stress hormone, but of course it's needed, 
is they're already in this high cortisol state and then they go and have caffeine and or and or coffee maybe adding some sugar um, sweeteners and stuff to it as well and what that's doing is it's spiking cortisol even further and cortisol can disrupt insulin in the body and it essentially throws off your whole blood sugar regulation throughout the day which can leave you on this crazy roller coaster fighting your energy. So you might feel, you know, energetic and a good buzz from your coffee to get going, but shortly after you're going to start crashing and you're just going to be on this roller coaster fighting it for the rest of the day. And then most people, you know, reach for more caffeine. And so if we, I'm not saying coffee and caffeine are the enemies by any means, but if you can have a protein uh, rich breakfast, have some healthy fats, carbohydrates, of course, too. Um, but you'll be grounded and more satiated to start your day and then have caffeine and, and coffee, your body can handle it a lot better. Um, but I was super guilty of that for a long time. I, you know, would wake up, I liked black coffee. I just like the ritual and the taste. And, and I started to notice these signs in my body, like feeling anxious in my chest. I would feel that kind of jittery jitteriness and and then I was just off the rest of the day. Like, what is wrong with me? And I, I couldn't make that connection for a while. But so that's the number one thing I say to people. Um, that's my number one recommendation. And then the other one, I would never go, go, go without rest and time to myself. Um, I used to be, I used to have the tendency to be a people pleaser. And I find that's the biggest form of self-sabotage. I really do you know, I think it's really important to honor where we're at in our cycles, the energies of the phase and not overdoing it. It's really easy to give in and want to please other people and keep them happy, but we really need to honor ourselves and learn to say no without feeling guilty. I think it's super important that we are having these conversations where we can normalize, you know, my friend group, we say to each other, like, Hey, I'm cycle day 27. You know, my period's coming soon. I'm really not feeling up to our plans. And we honor that. Like, no guilt. No one feels bad. We're like, you know, good for you for listening to yourself. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. that is so amazing. Yeah, it's really <laughs> supportive. Like that. Yeah, it's super oh. supportive and nice because how often did you grow up saying, like, oh, like I really don't feel like doing this, but I said I would. So I'm going to do it but it just doesn't feel good to you. And, you know, I think it's important (laughs) to have these conversations with people that even if they don't menstruate, like our partners or, or even our grandparents that are are past that part in their lives, because it just helps everyone have an understanding of what a menstruator goes through. And if there's that sense of understanding, everyone feels safe and can comfortably flow with where they're at. Um, So that's another one. And then the last one I'll say, I would never use conventional period products unless I'm in an absolute pinch. (laughs) And by conventional, I mean brands like, you know, Kotex or it's been a while since I've used (laughs) conventional period products. I'm trying to think all the, of all the brands, maybe ones like always or something like Text. Um, oh, I forget those little colored ones that like all my friends used to have in like college. Yeah. They're little click ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but regardless, 
the non-organic options and while some are starting to go towards organic you still need to look at the ingredients which is super annoying but a lot of them are full of various chemicals that just wreak havoc on our bodies and i was working with a client recently and she made this connection and she asked me um if this made sense and she said i notice i experience more pain when i use tampons and so naturally i asked her i asked her what kind of tampons are you using and she's like you know just the the basic ones the normal ones like kotex or that's why the name comes to mind because i just had this conversation and um she started exploring with menstrual disc and a menstrual cup. And she's like, I think I noticed less pain when using those. Of course they get, they take some getting used to and everything. But I said, that's, that's real. Like that connection you're making is real. There are various chemicals and, and things in these conventional products that are causing that pain. You know, you're, you're putting something into such a sensitive part of your body. It's not, just there and <laughs> it's systemic it'll it'll go throughout the whole body so it's really crazy that they're even allowed to sell such things um but yeah I would not put that in my body or near my sensitive parts yeah I, I feel like we, we don't, don't realize definitely I feel like we don't think twice like you were saying I feel like we don't think twice about what we like put up there in such a sensitive area in like our yoni, like our root chakra center, like that is our trauma center. It's a, it's a very sensitive area. And like spiritually, I mean, when that chakra goes out, everything else is, it's like the Christmas bulb effect. So, mm-hmm. you know, with doing Reiki on people, I'm always like, what is going on? It's always, I feel like the root chakra is, we'll say most of the time more damaged in women that mm-hmm. I work on versus men. And this being, I feel like, because we have more products that we put up there, or like these these almost like douches or like washes that are like, oh, don't get me started on those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole idea that we have to smell not human. And I used to have this professor in college who we entered one class one day and I studied um, English creative writing and communications, but th- this was a communications class and we were studying um, interpersonal relationships. And he walks in and he says, okay, I want you to make a list of everything you did this morning to not smell or look like a human. And it made me rethink everything. (laughs) Yeah. And that just makes me think, you know, going down the personal care aisle and seeing, you know, these summer's eve vaginal washes and douches that smell like a flowery field and all, and they're like, yeah, pH balance. It's going to keep you super regular and smelling yummy. Um, No, we don't need that. Our bodies naturally you know, balance themselves. We just need to let them. So, yeah. Which that's a good myth debunker in itself is just like, do our bodies actually do this ourselves? Like, can we trust that? Like with all these products and their branding and packaging these days saying, oh no, we can balance this for you. Meaning like we're already imbalanced. Well, which is it, you know, is it ourselves or them? So it's good to know from a natural like cycle coach, we do that ourselves. We don't need an external product to always do that for us. Right. And who knows how much Summer's Eve really is like balancing the pH. Right. And I mean, if you are experiencing any smells going on, that's a sign that something is going on and you you need to figure that out and not just use the Band-Aid of a flowery wash on it. Like that's not going to solve whatever issue might be going on. So 
Yeah. Speaking of signs of things going on. So my next question is what are the signs or like, what is a good sign of like a hormone imbalance? Like what is like the key signs of this? And when would you suggest seeking out a coach for that? Yeah. So there are many, many signs of hormonal imbalances. Um, It can range from heavy periods, light and scanty periods, short cycles, long or irregular cycles, amenorrhea, which is when when your period is totally missing and mid-cycle spotting or bleeding, male pattern hair growth, low energy and fatigue, and then the beautiful variety of PMS symptoms like acne, cramps, bloating, lower back pain, breast tenderness, mood symptoms like irritability, cyclical depression and anxiety and more. And unfortunately, I would say majority of menstruators have some symptoms of hormonal imbalance. So in my opinion, majority could benefit from working with a cycle coach. Um, But it's really important to highlight as well that these symptoms of hormonal imbalances are not actually the main problem. They're simply symptoms that are arising. So there are root causes that we need to get to and address to really understand what's causing that hormonal imbalance in the first place. And hormonal imbalances aren't just a one thing, say estrogen dominance, and you work on estrogen dominance. If you have one, you probably have multiple because they're all so intricately connected. So that's why in my work, I really focus on the holistic approach, you know, which is looking at the person as a whole, looking at their diet, lifestyle, even the environment, the products they're using, like we just talked about, the relationships in their life, how their stress levels are, or um, their sleep hygiene, if they're getting enough sleep, all of those things play a role. um, And all of that should be addressed when working with someone with imbalances. So I think the most common and the sad thing is that we've all been led to believe that periods are simply painful. PMS is normal. We just have to deal with it, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. So in my humble opinion, majority of people could benefit from working with a cycle or a hormone health coach um, in some capacity. So good to know. Yeah, that that actually answered like three more of my questions inside my own head. <laughs> you know, because I was very much told, like you said, growing up is do we just have to deal with it? Do it does it just have to be painful? Does it have to be this arduous process of just like pain and suffering and just no help and just dealing with it. You know, I feel like we have been moving towards getting past that as a society that no, our pain is valid. It's real. And Mm -hmm. there are better ways to deal with it. Cause I feel like we just don't know enough about it and don't know another way. Right. And how many of us were really welcomed to this world by being like, Oh, here's your period. Good luck. Have fun. You're going to have this experience for like 50 plus years. And it's just part of being a menstruator you know and it's just sad like it didn't need to be that way it doesn't need to be that way absolutely which does you know beg the question is female birth control hurting us more than helping us which is like probably the main one I think on everyone's mind today with the talks of like male birth control in the news and like different things coming out and realizing maybe we shouldn't be regulating women's bodies so much. Like the statistic of how, you know, in a, in a pregnancy, 90 days, like one woman can carry out a pregnant, not just 90 days, but 
um, one woman can carry out one pregnancy for how long in nine months, not nine. That's what I meant. <laughs> 90 days, <laughs> nine months <laughs> of only 90 days, um, for nine months, but a man can get how many people pregnant in a, in a matter of nine months. It's like, who should we be regulating at this point? And is it possible that female birth control is hurting us more than helping us? Yeah. And before I get started on the subject, I just want to preface that before I say anything, I am not anti-birth control. I think it absolutely has its place and can be beneficial. I think the unfortunate truth is that we've been overprescribed birth control and we haven't been properly educated on what it's doing to our bodies and how it actually is working. I mean, in my personal experience, you know, I got my first period shortly before I turned 12. With that came different symptoms, especially hormonal acne. You know, I worked with a dermatologist trying different topical treatments and, and whatnot. And eventually she said to me, you know, yeah, it's clear this is a hormonal issue. So we're going to put you on hormonal birth control, the pill, and it's going to regulate your cycle and, and your hormones and um, clear up the acne real good. And, you know, unfortunately I didn't know any better. My mom didn't know any better. And that's the route we went down, but no one told me how it was working in my body and what it was doing. And that's often the case. I mean, more often than not, more than 50% of pill users are on hormonal birth control for reasons other than to prevent pregnancy. You know, that's also a benefit for most people, but usually it's some symptom bringing them to take hormonal birth control. And it's being used as this band-aid approach, like a in my case, here's your acne. It's being caused from hormonal imbalances. This pill is going to regulate that and clear your acne. But that's a lie. I'm sorry to break into you if you weren't aware, but hormonal birth control does not regulate our hormones. It floods the body with synthetic hormones that shut down our natural hormone production and that ovulatory process. So instead of getting to that root cause of why the person was experiencing these hormonal symptoms in the first place, we're given the band-aid and the problems often resurface when the person decides to come off of hormonal birth control, sometimes even worse than they were before. And even sometimes they have symptoms that they weren't experiencing before. So what happens next? Many people go back to taking hormonal birth control because they believe it's regulating their cycle and they don't want to deal with these new pesky symptoms that are popping up, but it's no fault to their own. You know, they've been led to believe that this is the process. They trust their doctors and that's what the doctors are telling them. But that's really a disservice because again, we weren't told how it's working in our bodies. And the thing for me that we're really starting to see in our generation, especially is that those that want to conceive and have children think that they can come off hormonal birth control and conceive fairly easily without any problems because they've been led to believe it shouldn't cause any issues. But most people are starting to struggle with conception and they weren't warned that this might happen to them. You know, the process of how hormonal birth control works to prevent pregnancy is by shutting down our natural ovulatory process. You know, we're giving those synthetic hormones and it shuts down our natural rhythm. And the longer you've been on hormonal birth control, the longer that natural process has been suppressed. 
and the longer it will take to reestablish that connection when coming off of hormonal birth control. So it's just not as simple as simply turning the switch on and off like we maybe have been led to believe. And the even sadder part, if we can get even sadder, is that one thing I don't think many people realize is that the pill and different forms of hormonal birth control were only meant to be used for short-term use and short-term periods. But many of us, like we were talking about being put on hormonal birth control at like 14, a couple of years after first getting our periods, is that we've continued or continue to use them for numerous years on end, sometimes even a decade. And we've been led to believe that that's safe because they say, oh, there's not studies showing that it's not safe. Not yet, because we've been kind of this experiment, if you will. And even Dr. Elizabeth Kissling has said long-term menstrual suppression via birth control is the largest uncontrolled medical experiment on women in history. Like, just let that sink in. And how many of us knew that we were part of this uncontrolled medical experiment? Most of us probably were not aware. Um, so it's truly just mind blowing. And, you know, there are other things out there now that are getting more and more recognition, like fertility awareness based methods, which I really support because they, it's not the same as the calendar rhythm method. So <laughs> please don't get those confused, but they look at your, your fertility biomarkers, such as your basal body temperature. Um, and your cervical fluid patterns. So it's not just discharge, it's actually telling you you're fertile or not. Um, and it combines these different biomarkers to tell you when your fertile window is, because really in reality, we can only get pregnant about six days out of the cycle. And that's only like ovulation only takes place typically over like a 24 hour period, like I mentioned, but sperm can live in the cervical crypts and in our in a fertile environment, if we have that cervical fluid for up to five days. So that's where, where that six period window comes from, um, six day window. So again, we weren't told that we weren't educated on that. Um, so I think in some ways it is, it is harming us more than it's helping us, but given the current political environment, um, things are a little bit scary. So there's no shame in taking it. I think there just needs to be more education and empowerment around how it's actually working. Amen to that because, oh my gosh, that is, that is terrifying. And it, it did make me wonder when you were saying, you know, about the, the effects, you know, negative effects of birth control. And is it just not being studied? Is that the problem? Are we just not digging deep enough? I mean, how many people are actively researching women's health and research on these birth control products, you know, as we speak, is that really a priority right now in the medical community? I, I, I don't know, but I, I would hope so, at least in the near future, that that is something we could dissect a little more because how is it affecting people? Why are so many people now dealing with infertility? Like you said, I mean, I feel like I'm seeing it everywhere around me. Yeah. And it's, you know, the unfortunate truth is a lot of um, research that's done doesn't include women of reproductive age because the cycle is quote too complicated to account for there's too many varying factors you know hormones at play the different energetics like we've been talking about 
and they can't control for that in in, ex- in a research experiment. Um, so that's why a lot of the times we're not accounted for and it just is even more challenging. But then we're told to still do things as if we were accounted for and that's just not reality. Yeah, that gives me the ick. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Awesome. Glad we could make this work. Okay. So for the final question, yeah, that last one was, I'm still like, oh, like it's a lot of process to think that it's so not well thought out in the medical community. It's, and yet that affects so much of women in our daily lives and how, how we function. So that, that is so scary, but I, yeah, I need to look more into this for sure. sure. Um, And my last question for you today is, what can we learn from our cycles? I, I feel like there's always something in, in the universe that there's always a reason for things. There's always a meaning and our cycles must have meaning too. They must be trying to teach us something. Um, you know, what, what are they trying to teach us and how do we best reach you when we need someone to teach us about what they're teaching us? Yeah. Um, I, I just really think there's so much one can learn from their cycle and it's also individual based on, you know, each person's unique cyclic experience, what they've encountered so far, where they are in their cyclical years and what what they need to kind of uncover and get there. But the most profound thing I've learned from connecting with my own cycle is an unexpected thing, honestly, is uncovering my inner knowing, which has allowed me to fully meet my authentic self. And I truly think that each menstruator has this innate cyclic wisdom within inside them. Um, and it's just like this beautiful inner compass that you can always turn to and trust to guide you in the right direction. But how often do we kind of abandon ourselves and look outside of ourselves for guidance or reassurance? I know I was guilty of that for so long. Like I only really started trusting myself more and this inner guidance probably in the last couple of years, but it's been so profound. Like quite often I see people, including myself for a long time, just doubting ourselves and looking for any outside source to trust in as the authority rather than truly listening to what we need and building that inner trust within us. Um, So that's really what I like to focus on my work. Like, although I apply that holistic approach of nutrition, hormone healing, and menstrual cycle awareness to nourish the menstrual ecosystem, this is all so necessary and important. All of that really helps to like gently guide you back to your inner knowing, and it helps you to reignite that connection with your inner cyclic wisdom and build that trust within yourself and really learn who you are and what it means to be you. And I find like, I see my work as I'm, I'm there to guide you. Like I'm not fixing you. I'm not giving you any wicked, crazy answers. Although of course, education is a key part to this work. I really believe it's already there, but we've been conditioned to ignore it, suppress it, and even work against it. And now it's time to give it the TLC that it it and we deserve and really come home to ourselves. So yeah, if my style resonates with you and it, if you'd like to connect, the easiest way at the moment is to find me on Instagram. 
Um, my handle is cyclically Olivia. So that's not sick. It's not sickly. <laughs> it's cyclically Olivia. And I'm also working to finalize my website right now. I'm just finalizing some details on my offerings and ways to work with me. So that will also be cyclicallyolivia.com. If you type it in now, it'll say like coming soon or something like that, but we're getting there. But even if you feel called to work with me before my website's published, um, my Instagram has a link in my bio with a form you can fill out to get in touch or you can DM me. I'm always happy to chat. Or even if you want to chat, but you're not, sure or feeling committed to work together there's absolutely no pressure or obligation if you want to get a better feel for me I'm just always happy to connect with anyone um, and I also offer free consultations so it's like a quick zoom call 15-30 minutes to get a feel for where you're at where what my style is and if, if that's going to be a good fit for you but again no obligations necessary happy to help anyone with where they're at and just connect so Awesome. That that's great. And I will have all this linked in my show notes and um you can reference that at any point. I'll have our Instagram up as well as her link for her form and um any other kind of information that she kind of wants there as well so that you can reach her, find her, find what you need and I feel like this will resonate with a lot of people because this this hits every woman. This this resonates with every woman because it is every woman. Every woman is struggling with their own set of issues and majority are struggling with menstruation. So it is nice to have this kind of help um, out there and available. And like I said, I think the biggest problem today isn't just, we'll say the toxic chemicals out there to get us. I think <laughs> it's just misinformation or not knowing enough. Um, right. Like you said, I think a lot of the wisdom is within our own bodies and sometimes we do need a coach or help accessing that. So I think that's fantastic. And I am so grateful you were able to join today because that's yeah. exactly what we needed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a, such an honor. Absolutely. I, and like I said, you can reach her on her Instagram or the links in the show notes. So please stay tuned, hit her up if you need to. She does free consultations. So this will all go well. And thank you so much for listening. I will have more affirmations on Friday for your each, each phase of your menstrual cycle, kind of to guide you along that path. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on Friday.